Oh, we did it. You are now listening to the Open Road Podcast. My name is Jeremy. My name is Calvin. Welcome and, to and 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 what do you got? What do you got? <laughs> no, I was just going to say, and uh, this is a podcast that's all about helping you find more adventure in the everyday. You want less adventure? Don't listen to this podcast. You want more? This is a good place for you to be. Yeah. Um, Calvin, you said you had a hilarious story about your weekend. But Jeremy, before we get that, I'm just going to do a tiny bit of preface because I think this uh, would be smart to do before we get into conversation, a little bit of banter. We have a professional snowboarder on the episode today. That's right. So stay tuned for that interview. But until we Don't get to that. Bail out. And it's going to be a great conversation. But until we get there, Calvin, you got a bit of a story. Well, I mean, I think I, I have an interesting thing. I found myself in a bit of a pickle i was i got an adrenaline rush from something that you would never think you could get an adrenaline rush from uh drinking a can of canada dry i woke up yesterday and on saturday mornings i usually do schoolwork. okay and so i'm just on my laptop in my living room cup of coffee in my slippers in the zone doing some schoolwork, and i'm checking online to see when my next assignment is due yeah oh it was due last sunday Oh, gosh. And I haven't even done it. And so automatically I'm like freaking out, completely forgot to do this assignment and hand it in. So, I mean, right there. It's just great. Got the blood pumping, sent off a little panic email to my professor. Oh, gosh. And then spent the next seven hours writing an essay. (laughs) (laughs) How long was the essay? It's really long. It was like a really pretty long assignment. Do you feel like you're a good writer? I always had trouble writing in university. I, you know what, Jer? I always think about when I'm writing these essays. I always think about what you said. Um, I didn't have time to write a, a, uh, a short. What is it? A short letter. So I wrote a long one. Exactly. Uh, that's my biggest problem. Is I overwrite things, and then I have to go back and then shorten it down. So it I really is just, a true skill to be able to say what you mean in the right amount of words. Oh, it's unbelievable. It's really so yeah, right now my tactic is I just let it rip all my thoughts and just like <laughs> I just totally go all out and then I just, you know, um condense it all down into something reasonable. And then I send it through to my editor. Nice. Who's the editor? My wife, Kate. Nice. Who has a university degree, doesn't she? <laughs> yeah, that's helpful for <laughs> sending that stuff out. Um, have you feel like you've been learning some stuff? Uh, no, not, no, I haven't until yesterday. I learned a lot yesterday. That was the first time I was challenged and I was like, man, all right, here we go. Was this when you were writing this essay? This is for the assignment. Yeah. It was like an essay. And then I also had to do this like financial breakdown assignment, which was, I learned a lot in that. Nice. So yeah, it was actually pretty cool. I did a lot of breaking it down. Respect. A lot of calculating. So no, it was fun. It was good. Um, well, I'm, I'm happy for you. I'm happy that you, uh, that you were able to get it done. Did did your prof say, no worries, dude. I know you're a dud online student, so just get it in when you can. He just emailed me back all good. So I just, uh, that was it. <laughs> that was it. That's not helpful. <laughs> and I tried is to that like, like all good. You still get a zero. Like <laughs> when you don't hand assignment in or is it like all good? No problem. Just get it done. I just sent it off. No, I'm hoping that's the end of it, and he just accepts it. So that is so funny. Kind of funny, terrible response. Oh yeah, it's pretty ambiguous, and yeah, so all good. And then I was like in this moment where I was like, ah, like so I just sent the email. He's probably not going to get back to me because it's Saturday. Do I bother spending my entire day doing this essay if he's not even going to accept it? And then I just went for it and did it. So. Well, I'm glad you did it. And Me too. You know what? I'm glad you did it, especially because it's the first thing you've learned. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's not um, becoming worth it. One thing that I thought would be fun to talk about today, um, when I so so we're we're about to chat with Mikey Cicerelli, who's a professional snowboarder. And it got me thinking a lot about my own snowboarding. I'm going to call it in quotations career. Oh, wow. Um, (laughs) (laughs) No, just like, I guess, no, not career. My own experience with snowboarding and the adventure of snowboarding. And it kind of got me thinking a little bit about, I I learned to snowboard when I was young and I took on a new skill and I practiced it and I got really into the snowboarding culture and I tried to get really good. And it reminded me of the time when you're young and you're just discovering things 
and um, the adventure of that was really, really cool. Right. So, so what I want to ask you, Calv, and maybe we can dive into this, see if okay. it goes anywhere. Okay. It might not. Is like what were some of those things from when you were really little that you remember as being a cool adventure or um, something that kind of was was neat for you? Um. Hmm. Well, I mean, I'm a big I'm a big hobby guy. You know yeah. that, and I've actually always been a big hobby guy, even as when I was a little kid. I didn't. And know that. so something that um, I think what comes to mind is I didn't. Like, my dad doesn't know anything about, like, engines or, like, yep. motors, things like that. And I, I thought you were about to say, my dad doesn't know anything about anything. <laughs> <laughs> engines. Engines. <laughs> um, engines or motors, things yep. like that. And so, but I was always, my brother and I were kind of both, like, very interested in small engines. Yeah. And so, I forget how old I was, probably, like, maybe, like, 12 or so. I got really into... Um, uh, fuel powered um remote control cars yeah and that was a really cool thing for me to get into because it required a lot of learning and that was the first thing like i saved up a long time because they're not cheap to buy these things and i bought this you know uh rc you know gas it's not gas but everyone calls them gas gas powered car and uh and along with that of course they're like unbelievably temperamental Oh, and, yeah. And so it was just like a lot of like, but it was on me because like my dad didn't know anything about that. So it was on me to kind of learn and learn how to do it and tweak it and repair it and things like that. And that was just kind of a cool, um, yeah, just a cool project that I took on all on my own and learned a lot from. That's awesome. I had no idea you did that. Yep, I did that. And um, now, you know, what's funny. I don't even know where those, I have two of them. I had two of them uh, and I don't know where they are. They're gone. I, I, I think my dad just threw them out. <laughs> I hate that my son didn't want to do anything with me. He just spent all his After time I left, cars. I think he just threw them out. So how how much uh, like how often were they working and like in good condition to shred them around? Probably fifty percent of the time. Really? I would say like every other time I used one, it's something broke and I had to fix it. Was it really fun when they were up and going? So fun. Those things actually shred. They go so fast, but they're really hard to drive. Oh yeah, because you just like one little, and there's so the steering is so sensitive, and of course you just want to go flat it with them all the time, <laughs> and then like, yeah, you're not really supposed to like run them on the road, but I of course did, and it would just smash into a curb and <laughs> die, so <laughs> roll it over a hundred times. Yeah, exactly. Huh? That's but they're cool. a lot of fun. Well, I think that's that's a neat thing about when you're when you're young. Like I remember when we. Like my friends and I, we were all in, super into snowboarding. Right. Like we would do the same thing where you would like tinker with it. So what do you do when to tinker with snowboarding? Like you build ramps and you build boxes and you build like these barrels to like do tricks on. Right. And right. I remember building this whole sweet terrain park in my backyard and spending Which is like completely s- flat. <laughs> no. So get this. So do you know? Do you remember where that zipline used to be in my backyard? Uh, yes, I do. Like a long time ago. Yeah, yeah. So on that rock, like by the pond. Yeah, like yeah. kind of, yeah, it went over the little yeah. pond. So that's a tiny bit of a grade there. Okay. So then on the rock, it's about a two-foot drop to the ground. So I was two feet up, and then I had a um, a quarter pipe nice. that brought you another, like, four feet off the ground. So then by the time you did that whole, had that whole ramp, you had enough speed, you had for, speed the, going. for the tiny little piece of crap boxes that I made and, like, a little skateboarding rail that is good for skateboarding but not good for snowboarding because it's so short. Ah. So that was my challenge, always to have fun. a box long enough. But it was so fun. Yeah, that always seemed like like that'd be a fun job. Like the guys that build those massive, like, oh yeah, world class terrain parks for, uh, for like on on ski mountains and everything. Yeah, cool. and I think that's another funny thing about being a kid is, at least for me, it was frustrating because I had like a vision, or you would see a movie, like a snowboarding video or something, but you yeah. could never ever replicate <laughs> it. No. It's like I'm trying to build something cool like that's going to work and 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 be functional and it just was so much harder than it than it seemed to have to be and you could I could never bring a vision to life when I was a kid. <laughs> so where are you at now with your snowboarding career? Oh, dude, the career sponsors a, have dropped you. Uh, sponsors have dropped me. I go like once a season <laughs> if I'm lucky. Um so uh, it's been a bit of a not, downward spiral. I mean, but at least you go once a season to Whistler great point <laughs> like that's it's pretty very sick. good boarding when i get out there yeah so usually when we're out west visiting katie's family at christmas we we try to get out um it's actually been funny like for the past couple of years there's never 
I can't really remember a day when there was just amazing snow out there. Oh, okay. So it's not. The, is it too one, early? No, it's not too early. It's just however the if the season is in the middle of a good part or a bad part. Like usually you'll get dumped on and then it's good and then it'll it won't snow for a while. It'll get icy. Or the one time we went, it rained all day. Oh, that's horrible. So there were some. It's just this pesky global warming, you know. <laughs> Rain. Uh, so. Speaking of global warming, you uh, are you gonna be watching the election on Tuesday? Yeah, I am. Yeah, are you guys gonna stream it? Uh, I think I don't know. I don't know how we're gonna get just it. keep up with it. I I don't know. I'm sure Cole's got a way to get it. Okay, is he interest in, into this right now? Oh, everyone's into it. Oh, okay. Everyone who cares about the future of our children. It's all about the children. It's all about the children. Man, I know. I'm like pretty excited about it. Just about whatever really whatever the outcome's going to happen Chaos is be excites me. I just So hilarious thing. I was out on the deck this morning. Yeah. And um no, sorry. This afternoon when I got back home. Yeah. Um so just like 2 hours ago and I heard this like siren going off down the street. One of those uh like like sounds like oh a, yeah like a like a like tornado a sound the alarm storm. because yeah, the yeah, zombie yeah. apocalypse and is it, so it, it started and like I heard it very clearly and uh, and it went for like a minute and then it stopped and then I was like what the heck I was like went down to the road looking down the road to see if there's anything and then it started again and then it stopped and I was just uh, anyways that little like kind of panic siren it just got me all like excited i was fired just like up. so fired up i was like what's <laughs> going on and Did but you grab your baseball bat and start marching down the street i just i had to do something i was tiling my backsplash and i just thought yeah i'm right in the middle of this right now <laughs> <laughs> otherwise i would just bomb down to the fire station see what's going on and you've, you haven't figured out what it was no i don't know i think it was just you know kids no think about kids. something way cooler than that That's i know boring. but it just got me excited to have because nothing ever devastating happens here like, you know, natural disasters or anything. It sucks to live in a spot where there's no natural disasters, eh? It sucks to live in like, the <laughs> safest part of the planet. <laughs> uh, slash universe, essentially. Yeah. So. Anyways. Anyways, we should get to our interview. Yeah, we should get to the interview. Mikey Cicerelli, professional snowboarder. And uh, yeah, interesting conversation. We kind of dive into the background of what it looks like getting into this sport how do you even dive into it and then what the uh what it's like dealing with sponsors competitions uh trainers and agents all that stuff he's taken it way past the backyard sketchy terrain park stage yeah he is flying all around the world so everybody this is our conversation with mikey cicerelli okay podcast listeners on the ticket today we have professional snowboarder mikey cicerelli mikey welcome to the podcast thanks for having me great to have you with us man it was really hard to track you down i mean you were in switzerland and then all over and now you're finally back in whistler what's the last like two months of your like life looked like last two months of my life have been pretty hectic i've been all over i was in australia for a month i got to go to bali and then i was in switzerland and now I'm back here in Whistler, where I live. Were those all for? Was that all for snowboarding? Uh, except for Bali, I kind of snuck in a vacation. Oh, nice! <laughs> yeah, very good. Between the, yeah, Australia, it's weird enough. There's full snowboard parks there in the sum in our summer because it's opposite. Right, yeah, they're they're yeah, Virginia. yeah. So it's it's always funny. You go like, oh, you're going to Australia to snowboard? Doesn't really make sense. <laughs> oh, that's great. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's so so good to have you on, man. And uh, thanks again for for being willing to come on the show. The first question I, I have, and we've interviewed a couple professionals lately uh, in different sports, but the thing that I want to know is what is it like a day in the life uh, uh, for you? Like what is, what does a day in the life look like these days? For like right now or we're in the season? Well, maybe, maybe both because I think that's, both, yes. that's interesting. Yeah. Right? You want to see. Yeah. So for, so right now, not much. We kind of, I wake up and we always have a gym, session at 10 so that's like right now our main priority is getting fit for the season and then after that i kind of you know write some emails mess around play some video games <laughs> no it's not uh i just skateboard a lot too in the off season so our our off season time is pretty chill we don't do much other than workout and then season when i'm in the season we try to do like uh you know like nine till two so you get like a good four or five hours on the hill and then we hit the gym right after boarding, just to like a recovery 
so it's like in the season we're pretty full on hmm. like riding and in the gym and then you know we do try to get like our videos and like all that stuff up you know try to get so content you're in uh, you're in bc so what's the what's the extent of the season for where you are for me yeah so whistler is my base and that's where we do most of our like training and free riding and then like for example in uh I think in like two less than two weeks now I'll be in Beijing for the first contest of the year. Cool. Okay. And, then, okay. and that's an Aaron style, like a scaffolding event. And then from Beijing we'll go to Korea and do another big air event. So like I'll be in Korea or Asia for about two weeks coming up here. What, so what's wow. a scaffolding event? So scaffolding is a cool thing. It's uh just building scaffolding as fast as you can. <laughs> yeah, basically they take it's it takes about like two weeks to build these massive structures, and they're like, like f- hundreds of feet high. And they, you know, get fake snow, put it all on, and then you snowboard on it, and it's pretty funny. On, it's in the middle. It's unbelievable. Like, last year we do it in like the bird's nest in Beijing, so it's where like they had the Olympics, like the the summer Olympics. But that's they, amazing. And they're kind of sketchy. What's the temperature? <laughs> um, it depends. Like I've done one in L.A like los angeles and it was like 25 degrees come on wow yeah so it was like yeah it's pretty uh it's definitely it's good for the spectators because you don't have to go to a mountain you just sure yeah and you pretty much anywhere in the world they can make these contests happen well that's really interesting so i think now a good place to go would be to even get a little bit of your history of starting and snowboarding obviously obviously developing some talent and getting to a place where you're being flown out to Beijing to ride the sketchiest scaffolding of all time. So, like, what what yeah. what got us there? Bamboo scaffolding. So, <laughs> I was a skier first. That's how it all started. Okay. My whole we had like a ski family. Everybody skied: brother, sister, mom, dad. And then at one point, I just kind of was over skiing. I didn't want to ski anymore, <laughs> and I begged and like just was like, "Please get me a snowboard." And then, like, I remember one Christmas, I was six years old finally got a snowboard and then from there on I didn't ski anymore and just focused on that and then it kind of just started just riding my local hill like Georgian Peaks just like one of the private clubs in Ontario and then got a coach there and he kind of branched off and did a bigger thing so I went with him and then doing I did a couple seasons in Colorado Hmm. just trying to get my name out there a lot of it's just like you know making a video kind of showing your reel to people getting into like a bigger contest and then eventually I got on the development team for Canada and then worked my way up to the national team and now that's where I am today. On on Canada's national team? Yeah, on the national team. So what kind of contests would that team do? So we do pretty much every like international event. We do like all the World Cup circuit. Yeah. So that's like the Olympic qualifying events and then we do like the one I do in Beijing, it's like Aaron style. So that's like another separate tour. And then there's like the do tours and uh, like world championships. Pretty much we try to do every contest on an international level. Is the funding for the national team pretty good in snowboarding? Uh, they do well because last Olympics, Mark McMorris got a, like a medal. So pretty much if a sport gets a medal, okay. the government will dump a little yeah, more yeah. money into it. So basically that's like it's kind of funny because we we don't all snowboard for the Olympics but the Olympics kind of makes the program go around right because, right so oh, like um yeah is, like, is, the better we do yeah for sure is that guy a, a local <laughs> legend in your town or does everybody just kind of hate him Brad Mick Morris or no Pete? the what's, oh, oh Mick yeah Moore. Mick Morris no everybody loves loves oh Mick okay Moore. yeah and are, are you friends with them yeah, he's actually he helped me out a lot through my sport. Like he, oh, kinda, he got got me on Burton, like put in a good word for me to get on on Burton and help me. Actually, I, his agent is my agent as well, so he kind of helped me get my foot in the door hmm. and break through. Right. That. So what's what's that whole process? So I mean, how at what point did you need an agent to kind of walk you through um, getting into getting into it more seriously? Sponsorships and all that. Yeah. yeah. So I was fifteen. And it just happened to work out. Mark, my coach had set up a day with Mark to come coach us, like kind of ride with us. And yeah. and I was on this company called O'Neill, and they were gonna they were gonna sign me to like a five year contract. And we didn't really know, like me and my dad and my coach, we didn't. I had no clue what 
if that was too long or yeah or anything like that. So Mark kind of steered me, helped me steer me in the right direction. Was like, this is like good or that's bad, you know that kind of because you don't really know when you're that young. You just well, yeah. Like, I mean, that sounds like a sweet deal, but from ages 15 to 20, that's like a huge yeah, so growth still, period for you, right? Yeah, like I would have been still on O'Neill at this time, yeah. and I, you know, we're stuck with that same contract. So right. it's kind of like a. Yeah, it, I definitely, you definitely just need some more insight because you're just, I just a kid. I don't really know what, oh, what's exactly, what. Yeah. <laughs> so in my mind, Burton as a brand is like, you know, obviously at the leading edge of all things snowboarding. And in some ways, they're one of the most recognizable and like corporate snowboarding brands. Mm-hmm. Um, what What yeah. is it like to be with them? And, you know, what are some, what are some kind of benefits and, and either yeah, pushing your definitely... name out there or whatever? Yeah, definitely like so stoked to be on Burton and lucky to be on them. Like they are uh, leaders in the sport for sure. Yeah. And you know, and for example, we get like I can get custom boards made from them, and like their boards are you know high high quality. And and the whole just the whole team aspect of the Burton, like the whole Burton team is looked at you know globally, and you get your name out there, and it just helps to be a part of that crew. So it's a really how many uh, how many of you on the team? On the Burton team, like right, there's three of us like that ride for Canada, like in the slope style oh, okay. side. Me, Darcy Sharp, and Mark McMorris, and then they have a pretty big team. They have a lot of international riders and yeah. stuff. Yeah, there'd probably be like twelve, I would say. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's not as big as I was thinking actually. No, because they, like, they have they have like regional and like Canadian riders and your North American, yep. and you're like global. Like I'm on the North American team, and then there's global team which is like the highest you could be on for burton yeah so yeah there's a lot of tiers in it for sure yeah yeah no that's really interesting yeah um a couple other things that uh i i'm interested in um in some ways you you kind of sped through some of those early stages where you were starting to get good and starting to get recognized like how often were you snowboarding like Almost like when did you land your first 360 and how did you progress yeah. through? Like, yeah, for sure. I, I love snowboarding. I've been a snowboarder for a long time. I, mm-hmm. I could never get past doing anything <laughs> beyond a backside board slide. Like the second my back was turned to the back of the hill on the, like I, that, no, yeah. I can't handle it. Like <laughs> I barely can, like I can throw a three kind of. Um, maybe not. Like, and, and yeah, like so <laughs> it, it was always this like really. Like I felt as though there was this wall that I just couldn't get past. Break Maybe I was through, yeah. too too scared. So I'd love to hear a little bit about how you um, came up. Yeah, more. Yeah, yeah. So it was a lot of like at Georgian Peaks. This I had a coach that had moved from New Zealand to Ontario. Coach at this uh, resort of ours, and he kind of kind of gave me my feet for sure. Like saw the talent and that I had, and just kind of pushed my riding a lot. Yep like a lot of it's having someone back you you know and kind of push you to try a new trick or go out of your zone but yeah I still remember like the first 360 I did was I was eight years old did like back three and it was like the first time doing it on a big jump and I just remembered like this just like the best feeling yeah and it and a lot of the like coming up is like injury like I I've broken my collarbone six times and like that was just like <laughs> that was just in the first like that was before I was 13. Wow. So I would just be getting, but I would be riding like we would do Friday, Saturday, Sunday yeah. every week. So I'd miss school on Friday and snowboard on the weekends. Yeah. And then, you know, we'd put, throw like an odd trip in there to go to Colorado or Calgary for an event, that kind of thing. Yeah. But a lot of it's just, I think the best way is to time on snow. Like the ride, the better chance you're going to have to, to try a new trick or, you know, just just more experience. Yeah, that's a really good point. The 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 weeks when I progressed the most was uh, when I was yeah, yeah about that age when you're still like pretty fearless. My parents mm-hmm. took us out to yeah. Panorama, which you probably know out west is a little yeah. spot, and yeah. I spent like every day in the park and I was nailing my board slides. Mm. I was yeah, throwing yeah. my 180s down, no problem. And that's when I got yeah. like, you get a lot of confidence when you can start landing tricks exactly. and doing stuff. That's like why that. it's hard for like the. You know, weekend warriors because you you know maybe you ride six or seven times a year. Yeah. So every time you get on your board again, it's like you're trying to remember the last time you snowboarded. So yeah, 
it's, it's hard. I even get like that if I take, you know, even a month off, I get on my first day is always mm. like cool. It's like takes a couple runs to get used to just the snow under my feet again. It takes a couple 720s before you can toss the 1080s. <laughs> yeah. I mean. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And then hey, like, so, you go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. Well, I mean, can, can you lay out a bit for us what the, um, like what competitions look like? Cause there's a whole whack of stuff. Like there's those gigantic jumps and then there's little park sessions and then there's of course half pipe. So, I mean, what yeah, is all that stuff and, and what do you get into? I do slope styles and big air. So slope styles, the rails and the jumps, okay. combination of it. And then big air is obviously just one jump. And then half pipe is, is a whole nother thing. But is there a spec for big air? Like, does it have to be a certain amount of like um, feet high, feet wide? Usually, they're usually like 60 feet and bigger and 60 feet like length. So like that's how far you're, you're jumping. Yeah. But it all depends. Sometimes like you'll get, a small one and then you, you still have to do your big tricks so you're basically just hucking yourself oh, okay yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> the jump that's the thing with those scaffolding jumps they're really small because you can't really make a, a right jump in a city so you end up <laughs> just like spinning like a top <laughs> but trying yeah, to make it look as pretty as you can exactly yeah. and then yeah so slope style is pretty standard they always try to do you know like three jumps three rails that kind of thing Mix and max, uh, mix and match them throughout the course. And is half pipe just a whole other animal? Yeah, I used to ride half pipe. I was that's actually what I started with, and that's just it's a lot. I find it a lot more sketchy. Yeah, because you're basically, oh, really? you know, if you you're going twenty feet out of a half pipe, and if you don't nail it right, you're going to land on a deck and then fall another twenty feet into the bottom. Yeah. yeah. So like I've had my worst slams riding half pipe. That's kind of why I like stopped because <laughs> it kind of just was like I don't think I can do that. Five of my just... six collarbone blurt breaks were on the half pipe, so I <laughs> yeah. kind of put two and two together. <laughs> yeah, I still ride it for fun, but once you get into the like the big tricks, it's just the margin of you eating shit and landing is a lot smaller. Oh man, I've riding. seen videos of people coming down on that edge and it just looks like the <laughs> most painful yeah, thing. It's just, just complete it's this, ice. Yeah, it's just an and then it's an ice wall too. It's the thing. The the walls are solid ice. Yeah. If you come down it's like it's really intimidating. <laughs> That's why I'm I don't blame people when like I half pipe scares me. I'm like, so does it scares it me should. too? Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I mean watching it on TV it doesn't look that intimidating like unless you kind of no, go up yeah, the side. Exactly. It's so deceiving. Yeah. It's, you look, you're like, wow, that looks so flowy. They're just like going up and down. Exactly, yeah. Chill, and then like you second, you like see someone ass deck on the thing. It's like, yeah. Stretchers, <laughs> hospitals, yeah. career over. No. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah. So we'd love to hear a couple of stories from your, your time kind of out and about in the world. It's, uh, and I mean, I'd even be interested in getting a little more understanding of some of your travel schedule or, or how you're, you know, why you're being flown all over and what, you know, what a, what a season or a a thing looks like for you. But, uh, you got any of that for us? Yeah, I can, I can give you a couple of funny stories and yeah, it'll be, it'll be funny. Um, one of our last season, one of my funniest stories I've had was at the Lax Open. We were in Switzerland for basically the European Open. And we all did good. The whole team, we finished like one through five. Like I finished fifth. Mark was first. Tyler second. Like the whole team was on the top of the contest. And there was it was like a full international field. So we're all pretty excited. Really pretty fired up. It was a good day. And me and my buddy partied a little too hard and had a little too much fun and ended up, I woke up 7.30. I was supposed to have a shuttle at 5.30, scrambling. My buddy's not even in my room. I'm like, fuck, like this is not good. <laughs> like my flight's at 9.30 out of Zurich. And and we're like, hey, we need to like, I need to. So first got a hold of my buddy, decided to call a cab to the airport at that time because we missed the shuttle. Cab ended up being nine hundred dollars. Oh, so, so <laughs> me and my friend Darcy had to split that nine hundred bucks for fifty each. Come on, or like how far was it? Work. It was a, it was only an hour and a half drive, but I don't know, like the Swiss francs, those are expensive. <laughs> so we cop in the cab. We know we're not going to make the flight. We're like, this is you know nine thirty. We hadn't we left at seven thirty. It was like you can't even can't do it you got to be two hours before for an international flight yeah. 
So I told my buddy Dash, she's like, let's just make sure whatever you say, just tell the the person at the desk, you know, we our cab got a flat tire. That's why we didn't make yeah, it. Because yeah. I knew I knew there was a flat tire fee. Like if you had a if you something happened in your car, they'll change your ticket for free. Uh, so we still we got there at nine o'clock, run into the gate, made it seem like we were trying to like make the flight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, no, you can't make the flight. You know, <laughs> your flight leaves in half an hour. And then we're like, Oh, our cab got a flat tire. Sure enough, they changed our flights for free. But the worst part was I told my mom <laughs> I was going to meet her in Toronto because I was like, I had a four hour layover yeah, and yeah. <laughs> end up we we're flying. We, our flights got changed through Montreal. And I had to call my mom and said, Hey mom, sorry. I partied a little too hard. I <laughs> won't get to visit you in Toronto. So she was pretty choked. <laughs> <laughs> Poor mother. Just trying to see her yeah. long lost son. Yeah. who's out in the middle of um, nowhere. Yeah. yeah mom, I'm not going to make it. <laughs> That was really funny. And then there's no greater rush than being late for a flight. It's just no, horrible. No. So our next our next time we were in Innsbruck a month later and we decided we we just didn't sleep. We went right from the bar right to the airport with our bags and everything. That's that hilarious. Was, we made our flight all good. So <laughs> that's my tactic now. <laughs> Suck back a little bit of coffee and OJ on the plane. Yeah, and you're you're all good. <laughs> little Caesar in the lounge. <laughs> it's that's the funny thing in snowboarding it's a lot like the partying is it's a big aspect of it i would say for sure i didn't realize it until like i got thrown into it it's pretty funny do you like just like oh go ahead go go go. well yeah like well why would why do you think that more more snowboarding than other sports i don't know i just think it's always been like snowboarding's been like that renegade kind of like right you know ass you know like you know like not give a fuck kind of attitude so like it's kind of like it's since it's becoming an olympic sport it's becoming a lot more tame but we still try to like you know keep the roots of snowboarding it's always been kind of like you know snowboarding was way crazier people used to like shotgun a beer before their run you know (laughs) it's like now now like you know we get drug tested at events and stuff like that so you have to be clean you can't do anything before your yeah, contest. well, I'd always just kind of known that about the snowboarding culture, and then and yeah, I, like I guess this past Olympics, I a bunch of stories came out about like just kind of what goes on behind the scenes at Olympics, and it, like yeah. it, they get pretty wild there, and it's yeah. um it's just kind of funny to hear that. I mean, they all these exceptional athletes like they need to be so on point, and it's mm-hmm. just kind of I don't know. Do you think it's just because I mean these Olympians are under a ton of pressure, and it's yeah. how they can kind of pull off a bit. That's what I've like. I've heard that too about the Olympics. I think it's just because you, for a lot of like athletes, it's like they're, you know, stopping everything in their life and focusing so much on the gym, their sport, like that's their life. And then after the Olympics, they can just be like, <sighs> like I've done it, you know, breathe. like time to breathe. Yeah. So it's a little different for us because we, we get to do it all year. It's not like for me. I don't. I don't see it as like a, a job. Like I love. I have so much fun snowboarding and yeah. Like yeah. I. I don't think I would be doing it if it wasn't a fun thing for sure. Um, do you foresee yourself going to the Olympics or trying to get to the Olympics? Like, is that something that you, you want to be part of your career? Yeah, I'd love to represent Canada there. That'd be like the pinnacle for sure. It's, it's, it'll be like, yeah, it's hard for us cause we have a lot of good slope style riders. There's basically like seven of us that all are good enough to make it. And there's only four spots. Okay. So, okay. So basically, it'll all come down to who puts it down at those right contests at the right moments. Did you uh, um, try out for the last Olympics? I did, but I was actually riding half pipe at the time. I, okay. Last Olympics, I was going for half pipe because okay. we don't we don't have a lot of half pipe riders in Canada, so I was had a better chance shot of making it. So I was actually did that, and I missed it. I think I was two spots away for mm. for half pipe, but mm. but yeah, let's think. Is Brad Martin actually from? Ancaster, Ontario. He he's been like he's three time Olympian, and he was all half pipe. So that was the kind of like guy I looked up to. Sure. Wow. When coming from Ancaster, you know, same same town he lived, like you know, just a couple streets over. Yeah, from yeah. Me. yeah, yeah. Was it hard for you to make that switch then from half pipe to slope style, or are you kind of like, no, I think I can really progress here and and make it happen? Yeah, it was just a matter of I was always a little bit better at slope style and I had better tricks but the it was a fact I kind of was trying to base my career around the Olympics because 
since we only had, you know, like there's such a small amount of half pipe riders, I thought maybe yeah, you know, that would good be chances. better. But then I realized like that year of competing, I wasn't having fun riding half pipe. So I kind of mm. stopped because I was, you know, kind of forcing it. It wasn't something I really wanted to do. It was something, it was just like an easy way. And then yeah. I figured I'm like, this is not good. I'm going to go back, ride slopes down, actually do something I enjoy, even if I don't, you know, get the Olympics. But then I ended up getting on the national team and doing well at some contests. So it actually all worked out in the end. So I'm happy That's where I'm good. at. Yeah. Where do you kind of see um, the sport progressing? I mean, it seems with snowboarding and uh, it just keeps going further. Like guys are just pushing the limits with it and yeah. just getting completely How many more times destroyed. can it spin? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Like, like what's what what's happening next? Like, you're on the yeah. leading edge of this. Yeah, it's spill, it's, spill the beans. Like, aren't guys throwing down 1440s or even more? What's one? Yeah, up like from we. That? Yeah, like I can do the 14s and stuff, but now guys Come can on. do 16s and like 18. A guy as guys on the 1800. No, which is insane. So, it's kind of getting to the point where it's like the jumps have to be so big, and the right. weather has to be so perfect that like. You can't be doing these tricks when it's in a blizzard or there's, you know, 30 kilometer, you know, crosswind. It's just not possible. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. So kind of, I think the deciding factor is like the jump size. You can't, you just can't go big enough to do, but it's still progressing. Like we were just in Sass Fay and like uh, this guy did a, a double rodeo 1440 and that was the first time anyone's ever done it. Wow. So. <laughs> yeah it's always and that's like maybe i think in the future of snowboarding it'll be more not so many rotations kind of coming back to what we can already do and just adding your own grabs or like different corks yeah. you can always get on a different axis so i think i hope that's what i want to see in the sport i don't want to see we're just going to turn to the aerialist if we just you Keep know spinning start spinning. And spinning and spinning yeah you're gonna be like oh we don't need to grab our board anymore it's just cooler to tuck up and you know, huck and hope. <laughs> yeah. Huck and hope. That's yeah. Funny. Well, like, what what's kind of going through your head mid spin? Is it pretty calculated, or how how do you start getting into yeah. I don't know, like confident in landing that and and even trying it for the first few times? Yeah, it's it's scary. Because when you sure. come down, yeah. you're spinning so fast that how do you not like mm-hmm. land and still end up doing another yeah. full rotation? So yeah, or use... see where you are. Yeah, like I, it's kind of funny the when you first do it, like. I remember still doing my first like double cork and not seeing a thing. Like I couldn't see a thing. I just was like hit the ground and was like, whoa, like how did that happen? But then the more you do it, you can find uh, like uh, spots in the trick where you can spot the landing and kind of okay, slow yourself yeah. down or, or know to speed up. So it's a lot of like air awareness just to know if you're, you know, 10 feet from the ground and you need to pull your grab in or you're 20 feet and you got way more, way too much rotation. You're going to let it out. So it's a lot of just like trial and error. For me, that's how I I learned. Like, wow, yeah. It took me a while to to break into like the 1080s and then 1260s, 14s, everything. It's just a process hmm. of like trying it, kind of maybe not doing the right angle, going up and trying it again. That's the beauty of being on a national team. We get to do like sled camp. So basically, we don't take the chairlift. We just hit the jump, hop on a snowmobile. Yeah, get right back up top. So you can do like ten laps in five minutes. And oh just wow, be that's amazing! To jump so many times. Yeah. So you just get that consistent trick and figuring out because that's the hard thing about snowboarding. If you're trying to learn, you you try a trick, you got to go down to the chairlift. Now you got to sit on a chairlift for fifteen minutes, then you get to try it and again. And there's like the one jump that's good at the one point exactly. in the season, and you're yeah. like, I'm just comfortable yeah. with this jump, and I'm not going to hit yeah. that one, and I like. One jump and two boxes on this run, and I have to wait so long to do it. <laughs> and skateboarding, you know, you can just sit in your garage and learn every trick. Yeah. So it's a, li- a lot different. Yeah, that's right. You know, it's a it's a longer process for sure. What's uh What's your favorite trick to do? My favorite trick is either a front three stale or a back seven indie. Just so, yeah. beautiful, Chill. soaring, yeah. crisp spins. Mm-hmm. One yeah, full or fun. two full. Are you yeah, regular exactly. or goofy? I'm goofy. goofy. Yeah. Yeah, that's a fun thing. It's like even when we ride or when we're trading, trying to do tricks, we still warm up with our favorite, you know, 540s and 360s, right. 180s. Yeah. You still get to do the tricks are fun. You know, you, learning a new trick is, is a good 
good feeling. But it gets to the point where, yeah, you're like, this is crazy. <laughs> I just don't want to spin anymore, man. <laughs> yeah. But that's why it's like, yeah, it's fun for sure. I love is there it. a lot of like turnaround in the, uh, like in the pro community, like with guys getting injured? Yeah. Like you, yeah, you get injuries are just a part of it. Yeah. Like what and, happens if you break your hip tomorrow? Like, yeah. Well, your team, out. like what, what, what does the team say? Yeah, they're pretty good. Like most companies will, you know, if they're backing you already, they'll still back you through. Right, yeah, because they must deal with that a ton. Yeah, like in the national team, you know, they'll set you up with physio and like Mark McMorris just. Oh, that's amazing. He broke his femur at um, LA Iron Style. Oh, and, whoa. And it was gnarly, like broke it so bad and and then just got a lot of support. Now he's riding, he's back, like wow. killing it. So he'll be Same competing. Team. Yeah, he always, he's, he's in the national yeah. team too. So he'll be competing. Okay. And like that's like yeah, yeah, part of it. But oh, it's pretty nice. crazy. The it's getting so young. The sport like we're like you know like the the time is pretty like you're if you're 28, 29, like that's considered like old in the sport, which yeah, is crazy the... because that's not old at all. No. You know, right? And in, in yeah, that's interesting. So because there's like a small like it pretty much like yeah, right? Like me myself, I'm twenty. Darcy's twenty. Tyler's twenty one. Mark's 23 and another, and then Seb's like 22 max is there. So like all these guys are under yeah. 25. Yeah. So with, so with where you're sitting right now and you can clearly not see the end of your career in, in like, but you kind of are looking realistically and you're like, yeah, there's once you get to X age, uh, yeah, this, it's kind of this, this type of lifestyle is kind of over. So what, yeah. how do you feel about that? And what do you think like, is beyond that for, yeah, for for me beyond that is that's why i love like that's why i moved out here to whistler because a lot of it there's a huge backcountry scene and snowboarding and that's right. filming you know filming a video part yep. and that's what i want to do after i'm after i'm done competing is you know be out here in whistler and that's what there's you know a handful of pro riders that live here in whistler and they just film a video part all year yep. you know go snowmobiling up build a jump you know find a line and that's what they do all year and then they have this you know masterpiece that they've made all year and then that's your video part which is really cool so there's a lot of other aspects than just competing you know those videos are so cool to watch yeah like you know i'm sure you've guys seen like the art of flight or like travis rice's movies that kind of thing yeah they're so good yeah they're insane and it's cool because you have a whole year some some other two-year product projects to you know do your favorite tricks and your best tricks to like that's why I love watching snowboard videos because it's like that's their like they've chose to do this trick on that jump or this trick on that yeah. rail and then you get to watch it you're like wow this is so awesome hmm. very cool you you can go that route or you can be the guy that broke every bone in his body you know <laughs> just going for it yeah yeah you could either make or break but yeah that's there's definitely a lot of aspects and but I'm yeah competing is is really awesome it's like so nice the the places we've get got to go and get to go is unreal. And so when you're going to different contests, is that um, always with the national team or is that sometimes your Burton is taking you out to a different contest with the Burton team or how does it work? Uh, usually it's all always like the, like we have a national team coach who travels with okay. us pretty much everywhere, but we all stay like separately, like with our own friends or with the Burton team and stuff. But basically okay. all, all the contests we'll go to is, the national team coaches will be there too. That's the cool thing about our sport. It's like, there's not just certain like Olympic events. It's like every single event is considered important for us, which is cool. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Cause for other sports, it's like, you know, for like example, like sprinting, those guys are like the basketball teams. They won't come together until, you know, maybe a month before the Olympics, they start practicing together and doing that stuff. Yeah, and they all they're doing. But for us, we're a big crew and we're always together. Very cool. And are, for all these competitions, are there cash prizes available? Yeah, yeah. So that's how that, we make, like, yeah, that's how you can make money in it. You have yeah, yeah. Like if you do well enough and your sponsors. And so yeah, like do you have the option to do to do the competition or not? Yeah, like some of them I can choose like choose to like this year i have so many contests that i could do i i might have to choose yeah a few to not just so i can 
yeah take a break because you yeah, know doing sure. contests week to week is pretty taxing because yeah absolutely long days and you're riding as hard as you can basically so yeah. that's yeah so I'll have to like I think there's a couple contests that I'll have to choose to, if I want like a week off or just keep going <laughs> yeah yeah sometimes those weeks off are like you kind of you know work on a new trick or just to chill let your body rest yeah yeah. Uh, you seem like a, a pretty chill guy. It'd be interesting to he- hear a little bit about what you're like on the slopes. Do you find you get really competitive or are you kind of contemplative as you're watching other competitors or what's it like to be in a competition for you? Yeah, I just try to stay as chill as I can pretty much. You know, I listen, a lot of the guys will listen to like, you know, hardcore rap. I just listen to like indie music and, you know, Future Islands is my favorite band. So I'm like, super just trying to keep you know my energy level just chill you know and that's always like the hard thing because you've got so many thoughts racing through your head when you're up at a contest especially you know if you're on the bubble you know in the finals you know there's 12 guys that are making finals you're in 11th and you have to decide okay my second run is coming up now what do i do yeah. you know like right, so right. there's a lot of and that's where the coaches come in handy because they kind of you know make sure you take a step back and like you know you got this you've done this Right. I like, I find, yeah, you get into this cool, really cool. I love competing because you get into this crazy mindset of like, I got this. I'm going to do it like no matter what kind of thing. Yeah. It's a really cool feeling. Hmm. And it's like the only thing I can get it from is when I compete, like standing at the top or like after I land a run. It's like you get this like crazy rush of energy. It's a really good feeling. Is there a moment that sticks out for you? Like when you were when you kind of got that feeling for the first time, like in your first major competition? Yeah, for sure. It was actually, I got to go to the Youth Olympics, which is like under 19. Okay. And a contest for like future Olympians, they called it. And I, at this, before that contest, I wasn't really, you know, I was riding okay, but wasn't doing amazing. And I ended up winning the, so I got like a Youth Olympic gold medal. It was pretty cool. Wow. And it was like that, at that moment, I realized like, I got this because I got into this like state. I ended up landing a trick that on my last jump that a backside 1080 and I hadn't ever really landed it. And I just landed in front of the finals and it kind of made me realize like, yeah, like I got that competitive edge and I could do this. So then that was kind of like the start of it for sure. That was in 2012. So for, for our listeners, we always like to grab a couple of tips about how they can add more adventure to their everyday. If you think about your snowboarding career and kind of how you started and, you know, Hmm. moved down this path to where you're, you know, operating at, you know, with some of the high, high at the highest levels. Um, can you pull out any, any lessons for us, uh, us more regular folk on, on how to, you know, try something new or be a little bit more adventurous? Yeah, I think it's going out of your comfort zone for sure. Like, don't be afraid to, maybe try, try that, like, you know, new thing that your friends are doing, even go like, for me, like what we do always in the summer, it's not related to snowboarding at all, but, uh, I've learned this thing. It's called like mini adventure. So me and my girlfriend will just like, even if we have a night, we'll just go camping for one night and that kind of like, you know, just to get away. And I feel like for everyday people, it's an easy, easy thing to do, you know, just go camping or go do one thing a night. That's going to like, yeah, you just know, keep it simple. Keep it simple, but that'll like you know make you stoked or get you out of your comfort zone. It's really cool. Yeah, I don't know. That's something I like to do always during the summers, at least. Just like one night camping missions, just to get out there. That's great. Yeah, Calvin. Any final thoughts? I think we've really peppered peppered him <laughs> with stuff. I mean, I don't, I don't have anything left. I think I know the the sport of snowboarding inside and out. <laughs> Uh, I hope you guys do it. Yeah, uh, I'm glad. That's maybe that's maybe a bit aggressive there, Calvin. Okay, you could. Yeah, I, I don't know. I there's think, a little I think more to it. I mean, I guess I should more. try it. Just yeah. There's your first. Yeah, there's your first adventure to do. Try snowboarding. <laughs> yeah, no, that that is a good one. And yeah, we do really appreciate you coming on the show, Mikey. I think it's uh, we we always are interested to hear about people who are again have made it to, you know, that next level and who have been doing yeah, interesting things. Broken and, into the the pro circuit of things. It's always uh they're always really really cool stories. Yeah, no, I I'm happy to talk about it. It's always nice to reminisce and tell some funny stories and 
It's good. So I might be at Whistler over the uh, Christmas holidays this year. So if I'm out there, unless you're coming back Hit this way, I'll shoot you a text and maybe oh. we can go shred a little bit. Yeah, let's go ride some pal. That'd be sick. Yeah, that'd be great. So. Yeah, hit me up for sure. Awesome. All right, dude. Thanks so much. See ya. Okay, another great interview. Mikey Cicerelli. Great insights from such a young guy. Can you imagine what it's like to be it's just launching yourself at full speed off a jump that so these guys are I'm doing? So that's I'm still struggling with. Like, I still don't get like how you can... Um, sanely do that i don't get how you progress to that level like the guy we were just talking to literally hucks his body hundreds of feet into the air and then spins and lands and that's like what he does it just seems so uh uncalculated but it's pretty cool like listen to him describe how much uh control and um i don't know just how much um he's actually able to know where he is and, and what he's doing all in that, you know, three seconds he's in the air. Yeah, and it is interesting to hear about the future of the sport, right? You know, guys just keep spinning and spinning and spinning. That's and exactly it. Uglier yeah. and uglier and uglier. So, how do you have the steez factor to be a professional um, that actually shows you have more skill than people who are doing technically more difficult tricks? Kind of interesting. I think the progression of it possibly, I'd, I'd like to see it go to. I mean, two guys jumping off and then like doing something in the air together and then landing. You know, I think that's kind of where it could go. Holding like, hands, doing like circle flips in the air and then letting go and landing. That's like it's just it's limitless what you could do. Um, when we were in uh, New York last week, we saw um, Cirque du Soleil on Broadway, the musical. Ooh, it was really cool. But they had these identical twins, and then they kept doing these like acrobatics that were like mirror image of each other. Interesting. And that's what kind of got me thinking about that. Like they could be doing really cool things like that. That's the future of the sport. I think so. synchro swimming. Why not synchro snowboarding? That's exactly it. Well, I hope Mikey gets to the Olympics. Again, Mikey, thanks for coming to the show. We wish you all the best in your career. And, uh, That's right. Th- we, we're, we're thankful that you can give us a little picture into the window, the life of a professional snowboarder. If you can manage to catch the flight there, that is. Great point. <laughs> Great point. <laughs> Yo, don't chirp. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Uh, that, that was a good joke. That was a good joke. Thank um, you. Next week on the podcast, we have some people from... Uh, very cool uh, online Seneca Creek web blog slash great Instagram page called Seneca Creek. We never found out what Seneca Creek is, did we? It's a creek. Is, that a, is it just it, a creek? It's like, I think it's a place as well. We're just going to go with that's where they're from. From America, Pennsylvania. They have some great stories about uh, uh, how to become an outdoors enthusiast. Is that a that's good right. way to, to define it? It's a no, good conversation. Because, because they have a very specific uh, definition for it. So we'll leave it up to them, the professionals. Yeah, it's it's a great interview, and we're looking forward to it next week. Until yeah. th- until then, uh, we hope this uh, little podcast that we call the Open Road Podcast helped you find a little more adventure in the everyday. In your everyday. Signing off. <laughs> Jarrell and Calvin. From our respective studios in Burlington, Ontario. And? And Pert Curling. (laughs) (laughs) That's more than enough. (laughs) That is plenty. (laughs) Bye, everybody. Hey, um, okay. Yeah, we're done.